Haman, he's dead. <laughs> now, none of you really understand what that is. Well, are we celebrating that he's dead? Hmm, that's a good question to talk about. Hmm. But you know what? There's other news. When Haman died, another law was passed. Who remembers what the law was that Haman passed? Does anybody remember what law Haman passed? That all Jews be killed. Well, listen to this new law. Mordecai the Jew, he granted a new law. It says here, wherein the king granted the Jews, which were in every city, to gather themselves together and to stand for their life, to destroy, to slay, to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both little ones and women, and to take the spoil of them for a prey upon one day in all the province of King Ahasuerus, namely upon the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month that are. That's the same day that Haman has made a decree in the king's name that all the Jews be killed. Now all the Jews can gather themselves together and defend themselves. So go quickly, tell your families the good news. Go tell them the good news. The good news, we can defend ourselves. No longer can everybody attack the Jews, and the Jews can do nothing but die and be caused to perish. Tell them all the news. This is good news. We can defend ourselves. You can defend yourselves from the terrible decree that Haman signed in the name of the king. The news, I'm sure, spread much that Haman was dead. You know, that's a hard one because, you know, even to this day when Jews hear the name Haman, we don't want to hear his name. But you know, we do certainly have to be careful not to rejoice in the trouble of the wicked. Oftentimes, we're tempted to, but we have to be careful. Justice needs to be served, and we do need to be pursuing justice and upholding that which is right. And Haman's death is certainly justice. But I don't know whether or not it calls for any kind of celebration. Did you know that of the many, many people who will be sentenced to the lake of fire, at the great white throne judgment, I don't think they will be getting sent off with any celebration on the part of God. As I imagine that day of the King of Kings, the God of all creation sitting upon that great white throne, when I hear the words echo, depart from me into everlasting fire, I don't think it will be said with glee I don't think it will be said with joy. I don't think it will be said with any tone of mockery. I think it will be said from a broken heart. Maybe, I can't say this for sure, maybe even with tears. Because God loves us so much. And he proved this. He demonstrated this. He magnified this and put it on display when he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die for all of our sins, even the sins of Haman. There's some people who absolutely refuse to accept that fact that God could die for such a wicked man as Haman. 
but it's true. God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He commends his love to us in this way. We ought never to rejoice in the downfall of the wicked. It ought to cause us to sit up, to take heed at how terrible sin and wickedness is in the eyes of God. And it ought to cause us to take heed and to realize we need to trust in Jesus, not only to be saved from the sins we've already committed, but we need to trust in Jesus to help us not to continue in sin. Trust in him. But I'll imagine that the news of Haman spread. I think some people cried. The Jews can now gather themselves together on this day and defend themselves no matter who would come out to fight against them. So, are there any Jews here this morning? Anybody want to come up here and play the part of a Jew? Nobody? Are there any actual Jews? You do? Oh, come on up here. All right. Oh, yes, okay, we've got two. And anyone else? Oh, we've got another one here. Okay, come on up. There's, okay, good, good. Is this your guys' house over there? Is that the door to your guys' house over there? Okay, you guys go over. You stand by the door to your house. But you know, hmm, you see all these little Jews over here. How are they going to fight against their enemies? Huh? Aren't there any grown-up Jews out there? Oh, here comes one. Yes, yes, here's another one. Any other grown-up Jews out there? Oh, Naomi wants to be another one? She's a pretty little one, though. Oh, my. Now, let's see here. Okay, let's see. Uh, um, <clears throat> impersonator of Haman. You want to come here? Well, no, you, you, you can stay here. But the other guy right behind you, the old the Haman that's dead, he played the old Haman, right? Yeah, okay. Now, we got here this one. And um, let's see here. How about we just have a few men stand up? I don't want to call you out. Looking for volunteers. Lincoln, Bruce. Zachary, Mr. Densmore. Okay, here we've got some men. Come on up here. Come on up here. Now, we got to protect these Jews over here. Jews are going to protect the Jews. Yeah, got it. Go ahead. Take a, stand by. Now, you're going to take a sword? You need to get a sword because you're going to defend your houses. Now, how many of you think you're going to go attack this group? You, the old, the, Haman's dead, but just imagine you were on his side. Imagine this is, you know, one of Haman's friends. He looks a lot alike, doesn't he? <laughs> one of Haman's friends. You're going to try to get them Jews, get all their stuff, steal all their silver and gold and possessions and kill them all? Would you go up against that? Nope, nope, yeah, he going back home. <laughs> you know, I imagine that there were a lot of people like that who saw the Jews gather together to defend themselves and said, not going up against that. But in spite of that, there were some Jews who had to defend themselves because there were some enemies who were determined to still kill them. What's going to happen? Boy, he's awful brave. 
We don't know how many and how much this all was. But you know, just in Sushan, the palace, 500 of these enemies of the Jews were killed. The Jews banded together to protect their little ones and their women, to protect their homes under the authorization of the king by the hand of Mordecai. Thank you all. You can go back to your seats. And Lincoln was right. I need an Ahasuerus. Our actor for Ahasuerus has, is not here today. So I need an Ahasuerus. And I need a, and Mordecai. You, you help and defend them Jews, right? What was all going on here on this day? Well, while these helpers get ready, I'd like to remind you of our calendar up here. Did you all see our calendar? Remember our calendar? See, we got, we got a, a sheet of paper here for every month of the year. Any of you want to come? You, you two boys want to come on up here and help me? Remind me, what are your names? Jansen and Nicholas? Okay, come on up. What do you see up here? Can you tell everybody what you see up here? The months of the year. And you see the weeks of the year and every day of the year, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this is kind of like what Haman had to try to decide on what day the Jews would die. You guys want to try to do what Haman did? Here, come over here. Stand over here. Take this. You ever flip the coin? Yeah. Okay, try to see if you can flip the coin out over on there and see where it lands. Oh, try again. Well, let's take turns. You try this time. Oh, yep, try again. It didn't land on a day. Oh. You see, Haman did something kind of like this. Let me know when you guys take a turn until you land on a day. Let me know when you get there. This is kind of what Haman did. Oh, oh, did you land on a day? What day did you land on? November 2nd. November 2nd. Very good. Thank you, guys. Go on back. Sit, take a seat. Did you know that every time they flipped that coin... God knew and directed exactly where it would land, even when it fell off the table. God directs it. And God did the same thing with Haman when he flipped the coin to try to decide when the Jews would die. And it's as it turned out, he did that, flipped that coin way, 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 way in the month of April, approximately, and it fell in the month of March, which meant that the Jews had almost an entire 12 months before that day came. And when Mordecai issued the counter decree, they had many months to prepare and to assemble themselves together to defend themselves. Well, let's always remember that when things are happening, God is in control. He's not the author of evil. He's not the author of evil. We're not puppets. We still have a choice in what we do. But he is ultimately in control. And we can rest in that even to the littlest thing of where the lot will fall. God's in control. Well, where's Esther? Esther, your majesty, where'd she go? Oh, there. Would you like to go sit here next to his majesty, King Ahasuerus, and oh, 
Lord Mordecai, where'd he go? Lord Mordecai. Oh, you don't. Okay, I'll get you one. Shh. She says she doesn't have a script. Oh, and here is Lord Mordecai. Welcome. Welcome. He's casted perfect for this. Do you know, do you, do, because he's, I, I thank you, I thank you for giving Mordecai a bit of attitude. Do you know why? Because I think the real one had a little bit of it. So he's giving Mordecai this kind of um, way, I, hmm. <laughs> we actually have a little bit of a question. Somebody came to me today, this past week, and asked me a really good question. So I think I'm going to ask Mordecai. See if you can help me answer this question. Would all of this trouble have been avoided if you had just shown respect to Haman? He's checking his script. <laughs> you won't find it in the script. I don't know. Do you know? It's a what if question. I think it's good for us sometimes to ask what-if questions. As long as we're willing to admit at the end, we don't know. What if? I don't know. I don't know. But I do take this lesson, and I think this guy here agrees with me. Regardless of what the case was with Mordecai, Mordecai may have been a very proud man. I don't know. It doesn't really say it. But I'll tell you what it, and how I answer that question. Lord, may the mistakes and my sin not cause others trouble. May I follow, trust, and obey you that you might be glorified and that others be not troubled by my sin or my failure. I don't know what happened with Mordecai. <sighs> but I sure do want myself not to be guilty of causing others to stumble or leading others astray or causing trouble for other people. Sometimes you can't help it, right? And that's in God's hands. But let us walk humbly with our God. Well, here now we've got the three most powerful people in the kingdom, don't we? His Majesty King Ahasuerus, Queen Esther, and Lord Mordecai. There's news, there's news. 500 were slain in the palace of Sushan today. Now think about that for a moment. That means that all across the city of Sushan on this day, there were battles. Battles. It's very likely that not only did the Jews assemble themselves into, you might say, a little army, but so did their enemies. There was war in the streets of Sushan and throughout all the empire. And the news was brought, the number that day was brought before the king. And the king says to Esther the queen, The Jews have slain and destroyed 500 men in Sushan the palace. 
and the ten sons of Haman. What have, thy, what have they done in the rest of the king's providences? Now what is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. Or what is thy request further? And it shall be done. King, let it be granted to the Jews which are in Shushan to do tomorrow also according unto this day's decree, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. I command it to be done so. So the decree was given at Shushan. What is going on? I wonder, Mordecai, Esther, do you guys know of a plot? Perhaps there were a group of people still waiting to kill the Jews the next day when supposedly the Jews wouldn't have the right to defend themselves. Whatever was the case, there were still many who were wanting to kill Jews. And Esther asks that the Jews be given permission to defend themselves on the second day. And the king decreed it to be so. And you saw Lord Mordecai there was quick to be sure to use the king's signet ring to make it so. The decree went forth. There was another request you made. Your Majesty Queen Esther, I'm curious. Why do you want the ten sons of Haman hanged on the gallows? Because they're bad. Oh, because they're bad. That sounds like a good reason. Any other reason? You don't have any ideas? Ashworth, you have any ideas why maybe? You granted it. You better know a good reason why. Because they were following in their father's footsteps. But why hang them on a gallows? Especially if they're already dead. To show that they, they have, that they're not in the, in the right. You see, we don't do that kind of thing in America, do we? But it's nothing new in history. You ever heard of a guy named William Wallace? You know what happened to him when he died? They did something similar. You know, it wasn't new for those medieval days. We think of those medieval days. There was, oh, whatever. You know, if we go all the way back, let's go back to AD 33. There was someone who was hung on a tree. Do you know anybody who was hung on a tree in AD 33? Who? Jesus was. Do you know why he was hung on a tree? He was hung on a tree to be made a curse. Why? You say Jesus was made a curse? Yes. He was hung on that tree, lifted up before the land and before all the people. Because in the Old Testament it says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And it also says that those who have defiled the land and committing wickedness were to be hung on a tree as a symbol that justice had been served. It was a symbol that this one had broken the laws of God and that he was cursed for it and actually put to death and hung on a tree so that the land could bear witness, the heavens could bear witness, and everyone who saw it would bear witness that when wickedness is committed, it must be dealt with. Now, Jesus hung on a tree, but was Jesus cursed for anything he had done? Yes or no? No. He became a curse for us. You and me and the sins of the whole world, the sins of Ahasuerus and Esther and Mordecai and even Haman, 
He took all those ugly, dirty, wicked sins upon himself. And he was lifted up on a tree and was made a curse for us. Now we go back to this days, and that's a very similar thing that was taking place in this time. It was to communicate to the entire palace of Sushan. Justice has been served against these wicked men. For not only was Haman a wicked man, but apparently we will presume that so were his ten sons. I wonder if that's maybe the reason why he made his gallows 75 feet tall and didn't even realize it. Get a picture in your mind is kind of disgusting, I know. Of the ten sons hanging on Haman's gallows. It was a sign to all of Sushan, this is what will happen to wicked people that rise up against the Jews. Beware. And so that's what was done. The king decreed it. And so Mordecai, he wrote these things, and he sent letters unto all the Jews that were in the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both nigh and far. My, in one day? Wow. They must have been riding all night long. And so here, what was this proclamation? To establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar and the 15th day of the same yearly, as the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. And so here was a proclamation gone forth to celebrate a new Jewish feast, the Feast of Purim based on the lot that was cast. The Jews had been delivered. The Jews had been delivered. They'd been delivered. They were given the freedom to deliver themselves. And if you look there in Esther chapter 9 and look over some of this, I'd like to bring your attention to a few things. Do you remember the decree that the king allowed Mordecai to pass? Do you remember that decree? It was that they could take of the spoil of their enemies for a prey. That was recorded in Esther chapter 8 and verse 11. They could have power against any that would assault them, anyone who would attack them. They were given the right to defend themselves, and not only to defend themselves, but to take the spoil. Those are the, their goods, their property, their possessions, their riches as a spoil for a prey. They were given permission to take it. Now, Many people have looked at this and struggled over what the Jews did and thought, oh my, 500 in there, and the names and numbers come here later of how many more people were killed in these battles. But I want to note some, a specific word and phrase in the record and want you to look at it. In, in my Bible, I've circled this little word, three-little word, but. If you see here, it tells us that in verse 10 of chapter 9, that the ten sons of Haman the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, slew they. Their ten, those ten sons of Haman were killed. They were executed. But, I've circled that little word, on the spoil laid they not their hand. They didn't take the spoil, even though they had the freedom to do so. 
Well, here now it comes again. And on here, the 14th day, there's, there's more that are slain. If you look in verse 15, you see here, it says that the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the 14th day also, on the month of Adar, and slew 300 men at Shushan. But, do you see it again? On the prey, they laid not their hand, though they had permission. But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives and had rest from their enemies and slew of their foes 70 and 5,000. This was open war in two days. 75,000. And again, I've circled the word but. But they laid not their hands on the prey. This is a significant note to recognize. The Jews understood and recognized that they had the right to take the property and the spoil of their enemies. And here is an evidence that the Jews simply defended themselves and did not take advantage of even what was given them as a legal right. This is really significant. And so now they look back to this day and they celebrate this day. It is a feast. It just passed two weeks ago, the Feast of Purim. It's a two-day feast. It's a celebration as Mordecai had established it. And this feast not only was sent forth and set up by Mordecai, but we find here also, it, it says here that then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihail, we're in verse 29, and Mordecai the Jew wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim. They send another letter celebrating all of this. And so another proclamation comes forth, this time from Esther the queen and Mordecai the Jew. Unto all the Jews, to the, to the 127th provinces of the kingdom of Hasuerus, with words of peace and truth, to confirm these days of Purim and their times appointed, according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them, and as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed and the matters of the fastings and their cry. And so the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim, and it was written in the book. Now, everybody help me remember, what does Purim mean? Anybody remember? What does Purim mean? The Feast of Purim. Do you remember? Why, you just decreed the Feast of Purim. When Haman cast the lots. Yes, when Haman cast the lots. Purim is the word for lot. Purim is the word for lot, like the flipping of the coin. This feast of Purim is decreed. And now, and all of this happens, <laughs> look at chapter 10 and verse 1. Got some more politics. Y'all see this? It says, And the king Ahasuerus laid a tribute upon the land and upon the isles of the sea. Your majesty, I'm very, very curious. Um, why? Good idea. 
<laughs> good idea? You know, you got to be careful with these kinds of people, especially these who have such absolute power. Do you know what we get from this? Is a little hint as to why this guy has allowed insanity in his kingdom. He's got money problems. Think about it. Here now, this is all settled. And what's he do? Let's have a special tax. Not, not a tax reduction. He's got to conquer Greece. <laughs> he has a special tax. Now think about it for a moment. Why do you think? You, you guys do some detective work with me. Can you help me? Do some detective work with me. Why now here when all of this is settled, the record records that he raises a tax, charges a tax, a tribute. What, what other things do you know about the history of Esther, Mordecai, Haman, in the book of Esther, that this can make sense? What's going on here? Glad you have an idea? Ah, oh, cannot countervail the king's damage. Do you guys remember that? Who said that? Who? I did. You did. Do you remember we talked about what that meant? You see, the king needs money. And part of the reason why he jumped on Haman's plan is because he needed money. And he didn't even give any consideration to Haman's plan. All he knew is that Haman promised to him that I will pay into the treasuries of the kingdom 10, well, I forget the number exactly. It was, it was, it was 10,000 talents of silver. 10,000 talents of silver. That's a lot of silver. If we take it to the economy of the records we know from the Medo-Persian Empire, it was almost a total of the entire year's revenue of the normal revenue of King Ahasuerus' kingdom. And Haman had promised, if you let me move forward and do a genocide, we won't talk about, it's just a certain people, then I'll pay into the king's treasury 10,000 talents of silver. A talent's about 75 pounds. 10,000 talents of silver if you let us annihilate a certain people. And he jumps on it. And so now here, when all of those Jews have been able to defend themselves and they don't take the spoil, he's still got money problems. And so he charges a tax. I'm convinced that this is in the little record here to warn us about when we have money problems, don't do stupid things. Don't do foolish things when you have money problems. So often it amazes me at how many times when someone has money problems, they go do something very foolish and very wrong. When you have money problems, seek to follow in God's way and do what is right, trusting Him for provision, trusting Him for blessing. This man here obviously had money problems. And so when all the Haman plan failed, you were counting on that 10,000 talents of silver, weren't you? So he didn't get it from the genocide. So how does he get it? From a tribute, 
a tribute he lays upon the land and upon the isles of the sea. And so here it tells us that all the acts of his power and his might and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai, whereunto the king advanced him, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? Well, where are these books? They're out of print. And they're lost. But nonetheless, in recent years, they believe they have found a reference to Mordecai in ancient Persian documents. The greatness of Mordecai. For Mordecai, the Jew, was next unto King Ahasuerus and great among the Jews and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all his seed. Mordecai became a great man. I wonder... We talked about this a while back with you, didn't we? Could Mordecai have gone back to the land of Israel? Should he have? As I read Jeremiah and Isaiah, I believe, yes, he should have. Was he one, perhaps now at this point, who began to mobilize so that others could go back? Others would go back? Don't know. But we do know that Mordecai loved his kindred, and used his position as second to the king to protect his people. Now, when we take this all in big picture, if indeed Ahasuerus is Xerxes I in the chronology of the Medo-Persian Empire, and we don't know that for sure, but if he was, a few years after this time, to let you know from secular history, this guy gets killed by the captain of his bodyguards, King Xerxes. His son from Vashti the queen comes to power. Esther is never again mentioned nor seen in any secular history documents and fades from the scene. Vashti comes forth as her son becomes king and rises in influence and power and causes great trouble. Again, if it's the wife of of Xerxes the first, if Ahasuerus is Xerxes the first. Artaxerxes becomes king. But God has a plan in all of this, and his plan is moving forward. Remember we had the image of Nebuchadnezzar? You guys all remember that? The head of gold has been fulfilled, has come and gone. We now have the arms and the chest of silver, the media Persian empire in its greatest strength. But did you hear this guy whisper a minute ago why he needed money? He needed money to go conquer Greece. Well, I'll tell you that within just a few numbers of years, the media Persian empire, the silver empire, collapses and is conquered by the bronze empire, the Greeks. God is working the events together. God is sovereign. God is overall. And that's what the book of Esther is all about, even though it never talks about it. In the shadows of this book, we see the hand of God moving and working, accomplishing his will. Praise his holy name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the history that you have preserved for us. May we 
never fail in the good days and in the hard days to see your hand of providence, to see your sovereign goodness in our lives and in the events around us. And may it motivate us to do right, to use the free will you've given to us to do what you want us to do for your glory and your honor. Lord, may we always be on guard against the enemy who promises us pleasures for a season. May we realize and recognize that this cannot countervail the damages to us. It cannot compensate us for the damage that sin brings, that unbelief brings. No matter how great the gifts or promises are, may we recognize that you have paid the ultimate price for our redemption to redeem us. And may we walk in you and in that reality every single day for your glory and honor. We praise you now as we pray these things in your name. Amen.